Hi, Idaho and true crime followers alike. My name is Andy with an I, and this is the Idaho Crime Squad Pod. Welcome to the Idaho Crime Squad pod where we talk about crime and creepy things that happen here in our beloved potato state. Holy shit, guys. It has been the craziest two weeks of my life. I've been going to the Lori Vallow Daybell trial. I keep getting tickets to it and it has... I can't even put it into words just what I've been experiencing the last couple of weeks. So I'm so sorry for not putting out a podcast last week. It has been an emotional roller coaster. Um, Yeah, that's the only way I can put it. And speaking of Lori Vallow... I have finally decided to cover that case. We will do it on the podcast. I probably won't do it on the TikTok because there's way too much to cover. And I hate doing like 50 part episodes on the TikTok. So hopefully next week or the week after you guys will be able to hear my take on the Lori Vallow Daybell case. Um, You know, I got to sit 15 feet away from her in court and whoo, I hate that woman. I hate her so much. I've already also picked my co-host for that week and it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a new person. So you guys should look forward to that. It's going to be really cool. So anyway, guys, the case that we're going to be talking about today is um, freaking crazy. I mean, we cover a lot of crazy cases on the podcast, but this one is, this one's pretty brutal. And I actually don't remember this happening, even though it happened in Boise not very long ago, a little over 10 years ago. Um, But when I heard about it, I was in shock that this even happened in our community. And this is one of those cases where I'm going to be needing a drink. So, uh, let's do this. Also, for those of you wondering, I'm normally a beer drinker. But I'm switching to White Claws because I need to get my summer pod back. Okay, Alofa Time. That's who we're talking about today. And like I said earlier, guys, just as a trigger warning, this whole case, this guy fucking sucks. Like, what he did to this person is very sad. And, and countless other families were harmed by this. So if you have a queasy stomach or anything, go ahead and skip this episode because ugh, it's a little rough. So Alofa Time is the biggest shit stain west of the Mississippi. On June 15th, 2006, at around 6.30 a.m., two Boise police officers, Steve Fawn and Alan Kavner, I believe, were driving down Franklin Road in Boise headed to an accident that had been reported. And this is actually a fun fact, but Officer Fawn was my um, security officer in high school, so I actually know him pretty well, and I had no idea that he was the responding officer to this. So they were actually responding to a different incident when in front of them on Franklin Road, they noticed a Dodge Ram that was driving erratically. They attempted to stay close to the truck while it swerved and would rapidly change speeds. Before the officers could even flip on their lights to attempt to pull the truck over, the driver suddenly veered into an oncoming Nissan Sentra at pretty much full force. At the scene, police identified two victims in the, in the Nissan, the other car, 36-year-old Samantha Nina Murphy and her four-year-old daughter, Jalen Grimes. Samantha was driving her daughters to daycare that morning and was only a mile from their home when the incident occurred. First responders attempted life-saving measures to both victims, but sadly, they did succumb to their injuries at the scene. Another young girl, eight-year-old Sydney Murphy, who was also Samantha's daughter, was seriously injured and was transported to St. Al's in Boise. 
So we kind of have an interesting scene here for a number of reasons. Obviously, their first order of business was apprehending the driver of the truck. Now, the Dodge Ram was basically in shambles. It was crushed up very severely. It had impacted the other car so hard that one of its tires had actually rolled away. There were beer bottles shattered within the intersection that had been ejected from the vehicle, along with other trash and debris. And the driver of the truck was 50-year-old Alofa Time of Nampa. He was disoriented and seemed almost inconsolable as officers detained him, pleading with law enforcement to, quote, just kill me. But the strangest part of all of this is something notable that police found while securing the crime scene. And it was straight out of a fucking horror movie. Besides Alofa being covered in dried blood literally from head to toe, police located a female severed head that had been ejected from the truck. The head was laying in the middle of Franklin Road, but there was no body to go with it. Whew, yeah, so let's rewind a little bit here. Teresa Natini Lee was born September 3rd of 1959. She was 47 at the time of her death. She was born in Samoa and relocated to the U.S. to California. And she did marry and have three boys with her first husband. And at the time, she was actually serving as a Mormon missionary in the Samoan community in Oxnard, California. It's like a suburb of L.A. That marriage ended up not working out for whatever reason. And in the year 2000, she once again relocated to Idaho. It's unclear if her sons came along with her at this point. She did kind of disconnect from the Mormon church, though, and she became very active in a Nampa congregation by the name of Samoan Assemblies of God. By all accounts, she was a very bright and friendly woman who was super helpful. She was known for her love of bright colors, especially yellow, same girl. She loved spicy food, had amazing organization skills, and she had an amazing ability to find the good in anyone. We're seeing a lot of green flags here for Teresa. And this is kind of a crazy story. One of her sons at some point when he was an infant came down with botulism. If you don't know what botulism is, don't worry because I didn't either because it's so fucking rare. And even though it's rare, it's very serious. It's basically caused by like a toxin that attacks your body's nerves and you essentially lose motor function in your face, your mouth, and even your throat. Basically, if someone dies from botulism, it's because it eventually paralyzes the muscles that you use to breathe. I guess you can get it from like improper canning of foods or like fermenting foods yourself. It's most commonly contracted within a household. So note to self, I'm not going to brew any kombucha this year because that is scary shit. So Teresa's son was on life support as an infant. And against doctor's recommendations, Teresa refused to pull the plug on her baby. And he survived. He survived it. And if that ain't the power of a mother's love, I don't know what is. Okay, so Teresa's in Nampa going to church, doing her thing, being awesome. It's unclear when or how she met Alofa Time, but they were married in the fall of 2005 and had been together for about four years at that point. So I assume that she met him after she moved to Idaho, but probably shortly after. She was working as part of the self-reliance team at the Department of Health and Welfare. Essentially, this team's entire job is to assist low-income folks in identifying issues and helping them find solutions so that they can be like a little less government dependent. Alofa was working as some sort of blue-collar job. Some sources say concrete, but I couldn't really verify that. They did buy a house in Nampa in December of 2005, so just a few months after they were married. But dozens of reports state that this relationship was abusive, with Teresa being the victim of countless attacks by Alofa. 
Neighbors stated that they often heard domestic disputes and were under the impression that Alofa was definitely violent. Now, whether you're familiar with the cycle of abuse or not, it's obvious that abuse escalates, right? So it starts off small and then it gets worse and worse until sadly, a lot of times people die. So on March 19th of 2006, Alofa Time was charged with attempted strangulation of Teresa. During the interview with police that evening, Teresa told them that she had attempted to file for divorce back in January of 2006, just two months prior. A no-contact order was put into place immediately after this assault, and Alofa posted a $1,500 bail the next day. I have my own beef with how low the bail is set for violent criminals. It's almost unbelievable that we could let someone who was arrested for something like strangulation to be able to bond out for like $1,500. I mean, he probably just paid $150 to a bail bondsman and then, you know, started harassing her again. And this is coming from my own personal experience, having an ex who was abusive. My ex bonded out for $100. His total bond was $100. Why are we not setting these bonds for a million dollars? They are a threat to our society. And I understand the argument here. Some women make this kind of stuff up. Fine, whatever. What about the safety of these women who are actually being domestically abused? I just, I think that we can do a little bit better here. And let me just break something down for you guys. If somebody is evil enough to abuse somebody, specifically women, a piece of paper, like a no contact order, is not going to protect anybody. People who become violent like this do not have that thing in their brain that tells them when to stop. They don't care about the repercussions. They don't care about cops. And statistically, we see it all the time. The most dangerous time for a woman is after she finally gets away from her abuser. And after a night in jail, a lot of times these abusers are fucking pissed off. Ugh, I could go on forever and ever about how broken the system can be. But am I crazy here? I mean... We've got to add something else. There needs to be another layer of protection for women who are attempting to leave their abusive spouse. And men too. And you can bet your ass that Teresa and Alofa were definitely in contact regardless of the no contact order. Because unfortunately, just five days after his arrest, Teresa asked for the no contact order to be lifted. She stated to the judge, quote, we need to work things out and it's hard to do that with a no contact order in place, close quote. Now, hang on, hang on. Before we victim blame here, Obviously, Teresa is a victim to that cycle of abuse, which if you don't understand that, just consider yourself extremely lucky. Like I said, I've been in a very similar situation and I can't really describe it other than I had physical withdrawals from my abuser and I would have done anything to be with him. I was so mentally fucked up. So if your first thought is this is her fault or why didn't she just leave, consider yourself lucky that you don't understand this or that you've never experienced it or that you've never seen a loved one go through it. So the judge came up with a little bit of an agreement with her. Teresa was required to attend domestic violence and safety planning courses at the Valley Crisis Center in Nampa. I've been to these kinds of classes and essentially they prep you like with an exit strategy for if things get any worse. They're really great classes. They truly planted the seed for me to finally be able to leave just simply because I had a plan and somewhere to go and a little bit of money saved. So on May 30th, 2006, the no contact order was lifted. Now, Alofa was scheduled to be back in court on June 20th, but the incident where he crashed his truck and they found the head happened just five days before this on June 15th. So let's go back to the scene, okay? So the day of the crash, police found a suicide note and $300 cash on Alofa, detailing what he had done and where his wife's body could be found. 
Alofa wasn't seriously injured. But like I said earlier, he was begging police to, quote, just kill him. But they didn't. Instead, they rushed to the Lotus Springs subdivision in Nampa. And by around 12 p.m. that day, police confirmed that they had located the decapitated body of Teresa Time. It was revealed by the press that she was found within the garage of the home in the driver's seat of her white Hyundai Sonata. The Canyon County coroner at the time, Vicki DeGoose Morris, stated, quote, In my 22 years, this is the most brutal I've ever seen, close quote. According to an article by the Banger Daily News, there was a lot of blood on the driver's side of the door of the car, which became visible to reporters as the car was being towed from the crime scene. And an official autopsy was scheduled for Monday, June 19th. Meanwhile, Alofa Time was promptly arrested and charged with first-degree murder for the beheading of Teresa and two counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of Samantha Murphy and Jalen Grimes. A funeral for Teresa was held on June 23, 2006, where her three sons, aged 19, 16, and 11, did take some time to speak about their mom. So the autopsy report stated that Teresa was killed sometime in the evening on June 14th, the day before the incident. Unfortunately, it's not super clear on the cause of death if it was like the actual decapitation that killed her or not. Either way, prosecutors originally sought the death penalty for Alofa as they stated they had aggravated factors, claiming they had reason to believe Alofa had tortured Teresa prior to the murder. The death penalty was later taken off the table as part of a plea deal in 2007 in exchange for a guilty plea to first-degree murder. The former Canyon County prosecutor Dave Young stated he agreed to the deal to, quote, spare the family from a lengthy trial and being forced to relive this horrific crime. So on March 5th of 2007, not even a year after the murders, Alofa was sentenced in Boise for the murders of Samantha Murphy and Jalen Grimes. Now, Jalen's grandfather did get a chance to speak in court during sentencing. He stated, quote, Mr. Time, I want you to look at these pictures so you can see what you've done to them and to me and my family. Every time I look at you, I can feel my blood pressure go up. I can't help it. He finished with, quote, and I can't help my forgiveness, and I do forgive you. Whew, he is a better man than me. I don't think I would be able to have the strength to forgive someone who could do this. Because, like, fuck this guy. Fuck Alofa Time. Time did get a chance to address the family and stated, quote, your pain and sorrows are embedded deep in my soul and the utmost of my conscience. He went on to say, I am profoundly, terribly sorry for putting your families through this ordeal. I beg for your forgiveness. Please forgive me. I am deeply sorry. The judge, though, was not so forgiving and handed down 15 years each for the deaths of Samantha and Jalen, so 30 years. She then went on to tack on another 15 years for, quote, the pain caused to eight-year-old Sydney Murphy, who survived the crash. Now, remember guys, we have two different crimes in two different counties. So now let's flip forward to the sentencing for Teresa's murder in Canyon County. Unfortunately, there's not really much info from the actual court proceedings, but he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Today, Alofa is 67 years old and is being held in the Idaho State Correctional Center in South Boise. He will never, ever, ever be free. He will never get to experience true happiness again or enjoy any of the pleasures of life because he took those things from three innocent people, including a child. In Samantha's obituary, it states, Samantha was a wonderful daughter, mother, sister, and friend. She was a beautiful woman inside and out. In Jalen's obituary, it states, Jalen was full of laughter and fun. If she'd hold still long enough, she could give a great hug. We were so blessed to have Jalen with us, if only for such a short time. 
Teresa's obituary states, Teresa was a very loving and helpful person who enjoyed entertaining and caring for people. She always had a genuine smile for everyone and will be missed by all who knew her. Her death was a devastating shock for the family and they put Teresa's spirit in the hands of God. Now, I have some statistics for you guys and you need to hear this. In our great state of Idaho, there were 5,723 victims of domestic violence in 2020 alone. I know a lot of people were stating that those numbers are probably higher because of the pandemic, everyone was stuck inside, but that number is actually down 7% from 2019. The highest amount of these numbers come from Southern Idaho, naming Twin Falls County, Power County, Shoshone County, and Bannock County as the highest rates in the state. But you're actually most likely to become the victim of domestic violence resulting in murder if you live in Elmore County and Blaine County. So how do we help? Well, I can't speak as a professional on the situation, but I can speak from my personal experience of how my friends and family helped me. First and foremost, giving a victim of domestic violence an ultimatum is literally one of the worst things you can do and essentially detrimental to any sort of help that they might ask from you. Not a single one of my friends ever made me feel stupid ever said I told you so, and never once made me feel like they'd judge me when I finally found the strength to leave. When I did escape, I felt I had a safe place to go because of how wonderful and supportive my friends and family were during my captivity. Guys, a lot of domestic violence victims can't escape because they have nowhere to go. They cut people off for their abuser, and the best thing you can do is remind them you will be there if they ever need anything. I can't even tell you how many times I moved in and out of my parents' house and friends' houses, and it truly took me probably over 10 times before I finally left him for good. And every single time I went back to him, they'd hug me, tell me they loved me, and would have to watch me walk out that door. If you are a victim of domestic violence or abuse of any kind, I recommend wholeheartedly calling the hotline. I called twice throughout my relationship and it truly was an amazing experience and comfort to me. It doesn't matter your sex, gender, race, someone is there for you 24 seven. That phone number is 800-799-7233 or you can text START to 88788. Now, I'm just telling you, survivor to survivor here, you don't have to leave them today or in a month or even in a year. But acknowledging that you are being abused is the first step towards true happiness and fulfillment. It's the first step towards growth and strength. You will begin to impress yourself with how your mindset can change once you feel like someone is finally listening to you properly. Again, that phone number is 800-799-7233. That's it for this week, guys. Signing off for the Idaho Crime Squad pod. I'm Andy with an I. Take care and stay safe. The Idaho Crime Squad Pod is an Idaho Crime Squad production. Trademark 2022. All rights reserved.